The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 11th chapter. But to what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Let us pray. Almighty God, you call us to be disciples. And then you put your yoke upon us and you do all the work. We thank you for that grace and mercy. Help us to be faithful followers and disciples for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Someone once said, there are two pains in life. The pain of discipline and the pain of regret. And that person ended by saying, discipline weighs ounces, while regret weighs tons. So how do we discipline ourselves in faith? How do we have a remarkable life? How do we do this? How do we win the battle over our own desires and actions? Part of the answer may be found by Tom Peters, the management guru. He says, most of us have a to-do list But Peter's also has a to-don't-do list. Try saying that once. To-don't-do list. Those behaviors and practices that take away our energy, make our focus go someplace else, and things that we ought to avoid. What you decide not to do is probably more important than what you decide to do, Peter says. That's kind of interesting. And it's really interesting when we look at this text. Because it starts out naming where Jesus is, and it ends up talking about us in a yoke. So... Children in the marketplace probably refers to the majority of Jesus' contemporaries who refuse to believe 
that he was bringing in the age of fulfillment. They are compared to children that can't play together. The parable of the children probably reflects gender roles, according to the interpreters of Near Eastern customs. The round dance that occurs at weddings accompanied by flutes was performed by men, while mourning and wailing was done by professionals, and that was women's work. Thus, the parable may represent the girls as reproaching the boys for unwilling to play wedding, while the boys counter that the girls refuse to play funeral. So what does that mean for us? The point is, this generation can write off John because he was not normal. He was a hermit. He didn't have normal social interactions. And they could write off Jesus because He was banqueting with sinners. In this way, this generation can can dismiss both prophet and savior as irreverent, meaning they didn't have to change to either message. So the message of Jesus is that he's the Messiah. For those who have eyes to see and ears to hear that. But understanding that Jesus is Messiah is not something we do ourselves. John the Baptist had trouble understanding who Jesus was. But proper understanding and proper faith are a gift from God. Remember your Luther's small catechism? I believe that I cannot by my own understanding or effort believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. So Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In a sense, we are all weary and overburdened. And inside of us is that hidden poverty It frightens us, it oppresses us, it drags us down. But Jesus comes into our vulnerability and doesn't seem to be afraid of that hidden poverty within us. He just says, come to me. It's as if Jesus wants us to invite him in so that and to take our poverty to God. It is God alone who can cover us with righteousness. To accept our inadequacies, Christ takes upon himself what hurts us. We live in a society that keeps us from the freedom that God intends for us. For example... Fear is one of those burdens. We fear loss. We fear pain. We fear death or worse. It's like fear keeps us locked in a prison cell 
where our only companion is what we fear the most. Another, anger. It's a burden some of us carry. Most of us never learn that anger is normal, that it's a response that happens when we are hurt. But if we stay in anger, it keeps us miserable, in turmoil. It keeps us stuck where we are, and we relive that hurt again and again. And then there is pride. That's our preferred form of being perfect. We just don't want to keep up with the Joneses. We want to make sure we're better than the Joneses. But there's that nagging insecurity. There's that pride that what we do is never good enough to keep ahead of everyone else. And so Jesus says, Come to me, lay down your burdens, and I will give you rest. When we lay down the fear and the anger and the pride, then we open our hearts to receive joy and love and life and rest. But how do we lay down those things? We lay them down by the phrase, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. The yoke was a familiar symbol, for it was burden-bearing, oppression, suppression. Yokes were laid on the necks and the shoulders of oxen for work. They were laid on prisoners of war, and they were put on slaves. But a yoke also has a positive idea. And that's when they would do a rabbinic teaching of the Torah, and you would put on the yoke of the Torah, and it brought joy into the heart. When we put on the yoke of our Bible and its studies, it brings joy to our heart. So what is Jesus offering us? We see that Jesus is life-giving. He invites the weary to learn from him. He doesn't take advantage of the weak. He doesn't rule over his disciples. His yoke is easy and good and kind, and his burden is light. To be yoked with Jesus is to be yoked with God's power and God's kingdom and the justice and the mercy that breaks into our world and leads us into song. Come to me and I will give you rest. But there is also a risk with following Jesus. He calls us to a life of humble service. It's a life of freedom and joy instead of slavery. And we are yoked in Jesus, and that brings us into God's gracious and merciful reign. And we are freed from the burden of sin and the need to prove ourselves, free to rest deeply and securely in God's grace. Been talking about a yoke. 
And in order to understand the yoking with Jesus and God, maybe this might help. An old farmer was plowing with a team of oxen. And this team of oxen looked rather strange. For one ox was huge, and the other was a very young bullock. The one ox towered over the other, and they were sharing the work. How can this be, I thought to myself, it says, two such unequal animals in yoke? My friend said, I want you to notice something. See the way those traces are hooked up to the yoke? You will see that one is hooked mainly to the large ox, and it's pulling all the weight. And the little one, is being broken into the yoke. He's not actually pulling any weight. In normal yoking, the load is distributed equally between the two that are together. But when we are yoked with Christ, it's like Christ is the big ox, and he bears the load. And we who are yoked with him share in the joy and the accomplishment of the labor, but without the burden of the yoke. And that's how it leads into our life of prayer. Prayer is a matter of spending time each day listening to God to speak to us about our lives. There's a story about Pastor Carter Jones. Pastor Jones had a place of prayer in the attic, And when he felt the need for prayer or the time of prayer, he would go up into the attic room, and the family knew that they weren't to bother him. One day he went up and he knelt beside his chair in prayer. He had hardly started and the door swung open. And there was his little girl. The moment his eyes met hers, she knew she had done wrong. And she quickly said, Daddy, you've been so busy lately, I haven't seen you much, and I just want to tell you I love you. She gave her father a big hug around the neck and whirled around and was gone as quickly as she came. Pastor Jones continued in his prayer by saying, Father, I've been so busy lately, I haven't had much time for you. I just want to tell you again that I love you. Amen.